Hi guys, I'm Niaz, I'm one half of Millennial Money. I'm Shaq, the other half of Millennial Money. And I'm Timmy, aka Mr. Money Jar. Well, this is take two, actually, which the listeners won't know, but we did have a bit of a debacle there, uh, trying to record between platforms. And there's some great content hidden in the archives now, <laughs> which is about 12 minutes of chat. But how are you both? How are you? Good. Yeah, all good here. Can't complain. As I was saying before, feeling the pinch on, on this cost of living crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and is there anything in particular that you're feeling it on straight away or just across the board? No, not not me personally, but I have had a few people mention to me the energy prices. I think that's the one that a lot of people have sort of felt the, the full effect of quite quickly. So the government announced that the price cap would be rising. So... The, that cap was basically in place to stop energy companies for taking us for mugs, but they've said that's rising by 54%. I've seen a lot of anecdotes on Twitter of people saying that their bills have gone way, way over yeah. that 54% increase. Anyway, in some instances, people's bills like doubling and tripling and a good friend of ours, Cairo as well. He also mentioned that his energy bill just sort of shot through the roof recently as well. So I'm not really sure how sort of accurate that, cap actually is well perhaps it's a, a sort of an average across the country i really don't know it's insane because um obviously i've, I've been seeing the storm on social media as well um because i guess side by side differences um in france was it where they actually tried to relay the cost of um the rise in energy prices back to the suppliers who benefited hugely from the pandemic whereas here that's being like given or handed over directly to the consumers. You know why that is, don't you? It's because the French, if they don't like something, they'll just they'll just riot. So <laughs> I think the the idea of um, their prices going up, they just thought, now we're not having that. Let's take to the yeah. streets, and then they subsequently put a, a price cap on, which I think is something like four percent. I think that's the figure I saw. But what's funny is it's the same energy companies as well. So no way. If you look at if you look at like Shell. Um, shells so they announced like some record-breaking profits yeah. over the last year and then also they're hiking this price up in the uk but meanwhile in france the, the same companies have got the got the price cap it's ridiculous i think it just comes to show as well like how easily like the uk public can get taken for idiots like just regularly we just we're just we're just mugs and like and there's just such little recourse for it can feel a bit helpless sometimes because like yes like there's um timely uproar for a bit and then we're just like oh okay i guess we're footing this bill yeah and what i thought was a bit of a slap in the face as well was rishi sunak announcing this this rebate <laughs> and this rebate i've i've never heard of a rebate like this before but you have to pay the rebate back so not only does the rebate not even touch the sides of the full increase, you have to then pay it back over like four years. So my man's basically said, here's a buy now, pay later on your energy, but I'm not even covering the, the full cost. Yeah, yeah. Just really ridiculous. Martin Lewis appeared on Good Morning Britain last week and did quite a good piece of analysis on this. Um, well, first he did a, a survey with YouGov that showed that most people wanted an opt-out clause on the rebate just because otherwise it's just bills being £200 lower this year and then £40 higher for the next four years, but also said that it's not bespoke enough. So things I hadn't considered, like the fact that if you're living in a flat share, um, it's not £200 off per person, it's per household, and therefore you'd only get the benefits of £50 per person if you're four people living in a flat share. Then let's say you all move out the next year you'd all have £40 each more in terms of your heating. Um, and the fact that, uh, like, it, it could be the other way around as well. So you could be living by yourself and then get the £200 off and then move in with someone else. And then, yeah, it's just it's just a bit of a mess. It's crazy. And it, yeah. It, it just makes me think that, I, I guess, like, sorry to jump in there to me. It just no makes, me, makes me think um, with this government's policy um a lot of the time there's stuff on it's like surface level headline stuff that we can like 
flaunt. Um, but actually it's damaging like once you lift the veil even a tiny bit um, and it makes like it, the benefits of it like quickly seep away and it's just actually a, a, a bigger burden and a bigger cost that's passed on to everyone else and just delayed a little bit longer. Yeah, it's also, I, I understand the thinking behind it because the idea is that if the um, price cap is going to rise, then let's cushion the blow by £200 per household. But the £40 repayment for the next four years is being done on the assumption that prices won't be higher again still by next year. If prices rise again, as they may well do, literally no one knows if they will or they won't, then we may have higher prices yeah. as a baseline and then the £40 more as well. That's crazy. Things really are getting more expensive and this is just the start of it because it was really meant to kick off in, in April, right? The Bank of yeah. England was was forecasting did you guys also see um someone from the bank of england saying um don't ask for pay rises yeah what the, <laughs> the, the cheek the absolute cheek of that i wonder how much he's getting paid yeah, yeah exactly oh my gosh um yeah, so, so for anyone that listening that hasn't seen this the like head of the bank of england like some some high up in the bank of england basically said that we know that inflation is getting out of hand and it's, it's going to be high price of everything's going up but you need to make sure you're not asking for a pay rise because you asking for a pay rise is going to drive the price of things up so what what's what does he expect people to do it's, price of everything's going up you shouldn't ask for more money just just suck just, it up just suck just it can, up basically. look cancel your netflix stop <laughs> drinking coffee stop going on holiday yeah just equals profit equals it well actually apparently if you cancel your netflix subscription and you stop drinking coffee you'll have a deposit for a house haven't you heard i don't know if you guys have heard this um, plus time plus time plus time well, it doesn't well we don't know how much time um <laughs> but we've been told um and i and do you know what i i'm thinking about trying it um because if i stop drinking coffee um and i cancel my netflix subscription i'm I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be rich. So I've been told um, by reputation. To be fair, you drink enough coffee that I'd back that to be true. Well, <laughs> well, like thankfully, thankfully, I'm in a fortunate enough position where I've managed to save my deposit for a house. And guess what? I was still able to drink coffee. <laughs> and guess what? I've still got a Netflix subscription that I pay for, by the way. It's not one of that those just, that you take. That just it. tells me that you're rich. No, 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 chill. It just means I'm a, <laughs> it just means I'm a, I'm a guy on the internet telling people how to manage their money <laughs> because of all the mistakes I've made. But, um, but no, no, honestly, like, I think it's something that we need to dive into. Obviously, we're skirting around it, but um, Kirsty also um, and her comments that she made. Yeah, yeah so Kirsty came out and said that she was enraged, actually enraged that people complain about not being able to buy a house because I think she said, yeah, some people probably can't, but for a lot of people, you can if you just give up on, on some of life's luxuries. And these luxuries that she's referring to were, as we've said, like Netflix and having a daily coffee. And I think she also said the gym as well. So whatever you're saving, throw that extra 30 quid on top. But yeah, I mean, it would be good to get your initial views on it. My first thought was rich people need to just keep their mouths shut, man. Stop telling, stop telling working class people how they should be spending their money. Honestly, if I could retweet what you just said, I would like 100%. And it just completely like takes away from her very privileged position. Um, in how she was able to buy it. And we're not even talking about the generational privilege, but her just generally being privileged in and, in and, in and of itself. Um, it, it, doesn't she come from... Her, da her dad's a baron. Yeah. And her mum's a lady, I think. I'm not even sure what. Yeah, so like aristocracy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're telling like majority of the public uh, who have in inherited an insanely inflated housing market that if they were to like stop spending money on coffee and Netflix and any of life's enjoyments that they too will be able to buy a home um, in today's market. It's, it is just so stupid and it's so yeah, ridiculous. I think at its very best, it was a very unnuanced point. 
about making sacrifices to be able to achieve what you want to in life. And at its very worst, it was a very out of touch comment that just just mathemat- I, mathematically untrue. Yeah, so like comment. it's it's misguided and tasteless and um happy to go to war with Kirsty over this. But um so at Millennial Money, we actually have been doing some we've been running the numbers. Well Shaq actually ran the numbers on um on how long it would take if you stopped drinking a daily coffee and you cancelled your Netflix subscription and we've taken some annualized figures. Um let's play a game. Hey, Timmy, do, Timmy, do you wanna hazard a guess? So London obviously that so london has the highest average house prices if you were to say you're not a coffee drinker so you're yeah. just canceling your netflix yeah, yeah how long do you think cancel how long do you think not having a netflix would go towards buying that house or putting that house deposit down okay this is like a job interview question so <laughs> um, let us know let us know you're working all right cool um so I'll give I'll give you I'll give you some pointers. So let's say the average yeah. so the average house price in London now is five hundred and sixteen. Yeah, half 000. half a mil. Yeah, so five hundred and sixteen k. Yeah. So and then your ten percent deposit, let's say, is about fifty one thousand six hundred pounds. Yeah. Yeah, fifty k. And you've cancelled your Netflix subscription. How many years you, is it going to take? You just got. Uh, you're not about having those freeloaders on your accounts. You've just got the basic two screen Netflix ten pound. Isn't that like a hundred to two hundred years? <laughs> it's four hundred and thirty-one years. Four hundred and thirty-one years. So four lifetimes. And by the way, that doesn't that does that modeling doesn't take into account the fact that in those four lifetimes, the price of property is also going to increase. <laughs> so so as you're as you're saving towards that deposit, the price of the average price of the home in London across those four lifetimes is going to increase exponentially. Um which would make it objectively impossible with um, Netflix terms to be able to just save on a deposit because you've cancelled your Netflix subscription. Now, let's, let's, let's say, okay, fine, the boys from Millennial Money are being a bit petty. Um, and let's say, okay, let's include your daily coffee into the, into the equation, right? Um, and let's say you're going to save, let's say on coffee you spend £780 a year. Okay, that's quite a lot. That's quite a lot of mm. money to spend, like daily coffee, £780 a year. And then your Netflix subscription is £120. So let's say £900 a year. Um, and going by that same London calculation, how long do you think it's going to take for you to save that deposit? Yeah, so half the time. So two lifetimes, 200 years. No, actually, it, it, it does it does become a bit more reasonable than that guess, but it's still, it's 57 years. Oh, 57. 57 years to, to save the 10% deposit in Netflix and coffee terms. So we've dubbed this the Netflix and coffee fallacy. Um, and I think what we, what it really needs to point towards is it's possible in this current climate to save for a deposit. Like many of us like manage it, but we need to be more honest about how we're reaching that goal and yes, of course, you should look at watching your spending and thinking about where you might be able to save and where you might be able to um, cut down on your outgoings. But we have to be reasonable here to, to, to subject uh, or even like hypothetically subject ourselves to misery um, in the hope that it might allow us um, uh, to enter the market is ridiculous. Um, but I think it's, it's important to just be more honest about how people are managing to save towards those deposits or are managing to get onto the property ladder. Um, so, for example, um, I've managed to save for a deposit, but when I go to buy, um, to be completely frank, I'm going to rely on um, some, uh, like a gift also from my parents, um, which, which, which I was privileged enough to receive. And we've done some research on this before. Uh, the bank of mum and dad is one of the biggest lenders in the UK when it comes to property. Um, And the reason I'm going to be relying on that is because I'm likely going to be buying on my own. So it's much more difficult to buy on your own. Another way which I know both of you have benefited from is you don't buy on your own, you buy with a partner. Um, And that's another way to enter the market, right? And these are sort of like avenues and possibilities, but we're having to sort of like, it's not as easy as 
save this amount or cut these spends and then you can save this amount and then you'll be able to buy a house. It, it's not, it doesn't work that easily. And also the other thing that we need to, and we always do sort of like talk about is um, as we're saving our money, um, we're, we're also privileged enough to be able to put that money to work by investing some of it. Um, and it means that it's usually outpacing inflation via those investments. Um, so I think it's, uh, I think that when it comes to sort of like Kirsty's comments, yes, it's funny. Yes, we can take the piss, but it's actually quite unhelpful because we are in challenging circumstances when it comes to buying property, but it's possible. And we're proving that we can do it despite our um, conditions and circumstances. I think we need to, I guess, be more transparent about how we're able to do those things so that people can think about the opportunities that they have and sort of align themselves um, accordingly, rather than say, if you silly millennials like started living more miserable lives, you'd be able to buy homes, um, which is just, I think, completely unhelpful. When I hear the comments about Netflix, about coffees, about avocado on toast and stuff, what I hear is desperation. For real, yeah. I think it's like, I think it points to just how hard it is that this is the best commentary we can do. Like it's just like, okay, it's just the avocado on toast. Like that's, that's it. Like that's. It's so, it's so dumb. Like it's when so you're, you're just grabbing for something. Yeah. It's so stupid. And, and do you know what I was thinking about this? Cause I was like, who does that narrative benefit? Um, like who does it actually benefit? And it's, it's people that, sorry, Shaq, you, what were you going to say? No, you can't. Can't I, I was going to say that it it benefits people that have already like got into the property market at a far uh, when there were like much like lower barriers to entry, um, and we actually dived into it on Twitter a little bit, um, uh, and we can we can talk about this as well, like in terms of like purchasing power, right? Um, Shaq, you gave the example of your dad when he bought his first property. Um, I don't I don't remember the exact figures. Yeah, so I think my dad bought his first house when he was in his early 20s. I think from memory, it cost something like £8,000 and the deposit was £750, which my granddad just gave to him. And then in in comparison to to today, it's, well, it's not really comparable, is it? Because... Yeah, the, the average house price for back then and now yeah. is just yeah, the huge difference. And it's the same with me. So my my dad bought um, his first property in London twenty three years ago, um, and it was in like what's now like prime locations in East London. And he bought properties. I think nearly all of them were below two hundred grand, um, and he didn't have a regular income at the time. Um, uh, but he had a bit of cash, um, but he was just able to, with an irregular income, go in and buy those properties. Those same properties, I can't buy now, and I earn significantly more than my dad did at that time. Um, and if we sort of like, that is the clearest, I guess, linear indicator of purchasing power or like purchase power parity that we can look at, right? Because skilled professionals with quote unquote, decent jobs with regular incomes um, can't buy the homes that our parents um, who, and I, I, I use the term very loosely, who might have been in a complete different class to us by like whatever social definitions um, were able to purchase something that we can't afford now um, with uh, what seems like, like a, a much more attractive um, career in, and income. So the purchasing power of young people with um, who are successful or like who 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 have like uh, good jobs, good careers, the purchasing power has diminished hugely. But we don't look at that. And if you think about um, the largest purchases you're going to make in your lifetime, which is like a home, probably for most people, um, and you look at the jobs people are doing to be able to to not be able to afford the homes that our parents managed to buy. Um, a decade or two decades ago is crazy because then it shows you um, how starkly different the, the conditions are. Could we, um, could we maybe try and, because do you know what? Like, I, I kind of feel like there's a, sometimes I try and look at the macro 
of a situation as well. So, yes, what Kirsty Allsop said will have been seen as unhelpful to lots of people. But I also just sort of think what's going on there is pre-social media, when you said something that was dumb or unhelpful, it just used to disappear. But now you can kind of go public with it. Yeah. And outrage, like <laughs> outrage travels really quickly on social media. And that's the stuff you hear about. Yeah. Um, what do we think are like practical? So we already acknowledge that buying a house is very difficult. We already acknowledge that many of us are going to need help. But what things do we think people can practically do to get themselves um, kind of ready to buy a house, even if they may not necessarily be able to right now? Um, I remember it's not applicable anymore because of this working from home um, kind of world we're living in now. But when I was renting, one of the things I did to rent well was to live close to where I worked, for example. Yeah, I remember. I remember that uh, you said that on OTB because um, you yeah. could walk, right? Um, yeah, like I, ju I just, uh, it was actually my, my girlfriend at the time who made, just made me realize that like it, it was way easier to live in zone one than in zone three because the price of rents were broadly the same. And therefore there was 100, 200 pounds going back into my pocket every month. Um, I also think that like the government schemes, I had a conversation with a mortgage broker yesterday and someone, he says that he's helped a lot of people with, for example, the 95% mortgage guarantee scheme, obviously taking into account their income and their expenses and their individual situations. But some of the, I know people who've gotten on the property ladder through shared ownership and are staircasing their way up. Every property purchase is different, but there are like, I think that there are productive things we could be saying around buying a house as well. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent agree. Um, that's what I mean. It's just, it's just making the conversation a bit more productive, and rather mm. than just saying that or blaming, I think I think my point is, um, yeah, everyone can say stupid things. Like, trust me, I'm I'm, I'm not the person to to point a finger at, at that. But and everyone can have hot takes. I just mm. think this whole, I think it's lazy. This idea that the current financial conditions we find ourselves in as young people um, is completely down to uh, misallocation of, of of our budgets or frivolous spending because it completely disregards uh, the very different opportunities that we have yeah yeah it's and, un, it's, it's unnuanced yeah i think it, it comments like that can come from a bit of a disdain for working class people the opinion of well people are in that situation because they're lazy or they're stupid they you know they can't handle their finances and yeah. I find it interesting that she actually doubled down on her comments as well, instead of sort of taking the criticism on board and thinking, okay, maybe what I said was pretty stupid. She came out and said, well, over 50% of people can buy a house for help from their mum and dad. And it's like, well, can yeah. you not see that that's yeah. not really, that's not helping your point. That's showing that people can't afford to buy a house without the help from their parents. So then what yeah. about the people that aren't privileged enough to have parents who can afford to, to help them? Yeah. So I think it, it it really helps to, like what Nia said, to open up the conversation and be very honest about how people actually did get to where they are in terms of buying their properties. There was a, a thread that I really liked. I, I can't remember who it was that started it. But they started a thread that said, why don't we all just be a little bit more honest about how we actually achieved yeah. getting on the property ladder? So I think the person that started it, she had said that, She'd managed to get on the property ladder because when she was younger, her partner had a well-paying job. He paid for the full deposit and that was the only reason she could get on. Then you had people replying with all sorts of different circumstances. Yeah. And there was even people saying that when they bought their property back in 60s, 70s, 80s, they got a 100% mortgage. And I just yeah. thought that was, <laughs> that's crazy. Like the idea of that now. Yeah, yeah. You, I'm not sure you'd get anyone want, with the house price. I'm not sure you'd get anyone wanting to lend you that amount, but. The idea of not having to put down any capital at all seems crazy. Yeah. That wasn't, that was, so again, like my dad, my dad was telling me about that. He, he never utilized that product, but he was saying that he helped like loads of like friends and family members um, get a hundred percent mortgages and again, irregular incomes and, and stuff like that. So it, it was like such different opportunities and quickly touching on your point, Shaq, um, 
about like how she was like, oh, well, 50% of people get help from their parents. Again, it's just like, it's like, a, it's like um, confirming the caricature of like the, the okay boomer, um, like, like Tory um, uh, terms that we sort of like see going around as jibes now. Cause it's like, how, how can you be, um, like, how, how can you just like not have the sense to be like, can you, that is the most ridiculous statement. Um, also with that, with that in mind, there's a lot of inequality that's going to like be doubled down on as well. Um, um, because we're about, as millennials, obviously we've been talking about like the, the plight of millennials. Millennials are about to experience the greatest wealth transfer there's been um, in many generations because we talk about how the boomers like are, are like hoarding a lot of wealth. So families where there is a lot of like generational wealth and like loads of property wealth and assets, there's going to be a monumental transfer of wealth over the next 10 to 15 years. And some of it has already started. And I think it's going to perpetuate this idea of people being like, oh, well, I managed to buy a house. Well, you're not being honest about where you got that money from because you got help for that. It's not, it, 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 it can't, you, you can't sort of assume that you worked, yourself, you worked really hard to get um, the assets that you might be able to buy. Um, and that inequality is going to be perpetuated unless I think people are more and more honest about um, how they've been able to acquire um, certain assets because there'll be people who have no idea and think oh I must be doing something wrong no actually you just don't have the same opportunities um, and then that needs to be addressed as well to to build some sort of equity yeah and do you think that the lack of honesty and transparency over particularly millennials getting their first property do you think that creates added pressure to people that are seeing that happen you know seeing people along your timeline buying their first houses and you're thinking oh my god I'm so far away from doing that what's going on 100% and I don't think it's just properties either I think like social media doesn't help because it's it's so easy to it's so easy to lie on social media most people do because they're creating this well you you, you become your own PR firm right um, and you're only putting out what you want people to see and you don't have to really give much context or details. Um, and everyone else works by assumption. And everyone always feels like they're losing in a race that they're actually only racing against themselves. Um, but that's why knowledge, knowledge is power. That's why it's like so important to like educate yourself on all of these. Me, me personally, um, I that that that's why I started Mr. Money Job. I wanted it to be the anti-social media. Like the content I make is not designed to make people feel bad. It's not designed to put people down. It's just, yeah. and well, that, that, that we all make, all, all three of us, is just little things, little nudges here and there to help people. Um, I think that what Kirsty Allsop said was very unnuanced and has not, was clearly not been received well. I also think we need to do a better job of not amplifying and giving a platform to yeah. dumb statements <laughs> because in this um, boom bust cycle of social media, you have the dumb statement, which has every potential to just receive tumbleweed online, not receive a single retweet or a single like, it's just a dumb statement that's online or it's a dumb statement that gets replied to retweeted, liked, blogged about talked about in the press because they're trying to get like clicks and ad revenue and stuff and then the response to the dumb statement then becomes bigger than this statement yeah yeah it's definitely a thing nowadays like you see it with football twitter as well someone purposely makes like a terrible statement which they know will outrage people just because yeah. it will get a lot of engagement I didn't even, I did when Kirsty also said that, okay, fine. That's another person talking about, <laughs> talking do about you, Netflix. Fair enough. Like, do you know what it reminds me of? It's those Instagram pages, those like finance Instagram pages or those motivation Instagram pages. When I say something like a uh, poor person spends $1,000 on jeans and $2,000 on an iPhone, rich person spends $1,000 on Apple stock and two thousand dollars on God knows what. Yeah. It's like, you know, where do you even begin with dismantling? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so it's so it's so unrelatable, and 
it's just like so oversimplistic. That's why like similar to you, Timmy, when we launched, we, our angle has always been quite self-deprecating. So we have been, have been notoriously bad with money and we make loads of mistakes still, but we're just open and honest. We're like, listen, like this is the conversation that we want, we wanted people to have with us. And this is the conversation that we have with all of our friends. And actually that sort of like community element of just talking quite candidly really does help people. Um, yeah. and just being, you're, you're, you're not, you're normalizing. Yeah. And just being honest and like, 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 I guess dismantling this whole taboo when it comes to money. Um, yeah. Yeah. As I said, yeah, we, we can probably park the silly Kirsty Allsop comments. Um, but yeah, like stay, stay tuned for, uh, the coffee and Netflix fallacy post where we'll, we'll dive into some more of, uh, how long it will actually take, um, in Netflix and coffee terms for you to say <laughs> I did want to say one more thing on, on the topic, actually, because we spoke about the honesty around how people are being able to buy properties. And you always see these articles titled how I bought my first house at 21, um, how I was able to buy a house at 23, earning 15K a year. And every single time without fail, within the first paragraph, it will either say they lived at home with their parents, didn't have to pay any rent or they got like a hundred grand inheritance. So while I appreciate the fact that they are upfront about that and have said it, let's not use these clickbaity titles of, yeah. you know, I'm some sort of superstar for being able to do that. Yeah, because especially like when you don't know something, you feel like there is like the a secret answer that, that, that you just need to go and find. But actually like it's, it, a lot of those answers are, th- are things you already know and you just need to apply with more discipline. Um, so yeah, I entirely, entirely agree, Shaq. Um, but yeah, I know what it feels like when you're, when you're so like, when you feel so clueless about something, you're like, I'm definitely doing something wrong here. There's something I'm missing, which I need to find out. Yeah. I think one way to ensure that you'll almost definitely never be able to buy a house is to, um, follow suit of some of the victims of the, the Tinder swindler. Oh my days. Um, uh, I'm glad you brought this up. So we spoke about, um, we, we spoke a little bit, like a couple of, when it first came out about, um, fraud, um, Timmy, you haven't watched the documentary, have you yet? No, no. Um, I do plan to, I'm, I'm late. I'm always late. I was late to the Tiger King. I was late to Squid Game. Really? And now all I've been seeing on the, the past week has been Tinder Swindler, but I have no idea what it's about. So if well, we can get we give you a, a quick sort of summary without trying to spoil it too much. But basically, as the title suggests, there's a swindler who's operating on Tinder and he is basically convincing uh, these women that he's matched that he is a son of a billionaire. All right. And he just spends extravagantly in front of them. So first date, he'll, you know, meet them in the lobby of a fancy restaurant, a fancy hotel in London, you know, pay for all the food, all the drinks. And then he'll say, oh, I'm actually catching a private jet. Like, do you want to come with me? <laughs> so then these women are just wowed, sort of swept off their feet. And one thing that I found quite funny was the way that they were saying, oh my God, like I just had an instant connection. Like, <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, pull the other one. Like it's pretty clear that it's because you think this guy is loaded. Yeah. And they're sort of wined and dined, treated really nicely by this guy. And then he conjures up this story about how his enemies are after him. Enemies my enemies, my enemies, my are, enemies are against me. Yeah. And um, in order for him to be able to stay away from his enemies, the, the women that we've spoken about, they need to send him money, but it's not just sort of, can you send me 20 quid to get an Uber home? It's like, can you wire me 20 K or can you take out an Amex and give me the card details? And these women are racking up hundreds of thousands of pounds of debt in order to, to send to this guy. Um, and obviously never sends it back to them. So there's, there's like a little more, so it's quite an intricate scam. Because he ropes these women in, first of all, by like spending well and showing that he has this amount of wealth. Um, He actually created like a fake site and he made himself the son of an actual Russian, it's a Russian billionaire, I think, or like a Russian diamond family. I might just be saying Russian, but correct me if I'm wrong. But um, 
of, of a diamond family and he like photoshopped his face into a family picture and created a website so that if someone googles him it would come up as though he's the son um of this like diamond fortune and crazy a question that i've got for for him is how did he manage to wrangle the seo seo so well that it was like the first google Honestly, search I think he's a pro well it? well Sorry to sorry to spoil things a little bit, Shaq. You can actually ask him because he's still active and he's still got social media <laughs> sites active. So, Timmy, we'll come on to that afterwards. Um, there, there's a there's kind of like a I'll let you watch it. There's kind of a happy ending, but not really. Um, but basically, he he ropes these women in by showing them this extravagant lifestyle, um, and then but he's honest about the fact that he's got some enemies because he's in the diamond business. So it's really dangerous, but he's always working on these mad deals, but he's always flying to different countries and like going on Tinder and roping different women in. Um, but he's spending tons of money in each country, but it turns out that he's got one Mark, AKA a woman, and he's spending that woman's money on another woman. So it's like a large Ponzi scheme. All right. Yeah. So he spends one woman's money on another woman to then rope more and more of them in. And, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, once yeah, they're yeah. in and trapped, he's like, "Oh my god!" And he like sends this repeat video of of him getting him and his bodyguard getting attacked. Um, and he's like, my, "Yeah, his he's, bodyguard pizza." Yeah. <laughs> my enemies found us. My enemies found us. I need to make sure that um, and then he says like, I need to make sure that my money's not traceable so you need to send me either like bring fly cash over to me or take out some loans and he went to the extent of like asking people to like sell their houses sell their cars and like just and just remo no remorse and then when he whenever he gets close to being found out he like threatens them like um, what does he say There's, he has a tagline there's always a consequence yeah, always a consequence to your actions or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. And it's just like... It's, it was so funny when he just goes, sell your car. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And he just does not, he just does not give a shit. So how did this end up getting made into a document? Like, is the actual guy in the documentary or is it like a reconstruction? It's uh, so uh, essentially the women that had been swindled. So there was countless women that had happened to, but yeah. two or three of the women... Um, they went, or one woman, she went to an investigative journalist because the police weren't helping her, basically. Yeah. And then the, invest the, the journalist then um, managed to, like, track him down, helped in getting him arrested and, and stuff. But, I'm, I mean, I'm not one to victim blame, right? But these women were incredibly daft. And like I said, it was a very intricate scam. But as soon as someone ask you for 20k right someone that you've known for less than a month as soon as they ask you for 20k the alarm bells should be ringing and there were so many red flags before that as well yeah but the fact that you've not only stopped not stopped talking to this person you've carried on talking to them you've sent them the 20k then the next day they're asking you for another 20k like what is going on in your head for yeah. you to actually do that it sounds like a um like a sunk cost fallacy like yeah no yeah, 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 hundred percent. Already absolutely. dropped twenty k. So, and and also he does he does like um, so to sort of like play devil's advocate. Like I do empathize with these women um, because um, they've like been roped in, and then uh, he then like sends them like fake checks of yeah. like oh, I'll give you like twice as much as you lent me. And, and then these women are like, oh my God, wow, you're so generous. Because obviously they've seen generosity. They've seen him spend money on them. Yeah. Obviously none of them clear, all of them bounce. Um, and he'll, he'll make up excuses for that as well. Like, oh no, the bank said that I'm not allowed to send it to you or whatever. But what I was wondering is why did none of these women just think, okay, you're in trouble. You can't use your cards because your enemies are after you. <laughs> Can't you call your dad, who's a billionaire, and yeah. sort something out? Like, if there's one thing, you know, a billionaire can do whatever they want, really. Yeah, but with some of these women, he was in a relationship with them as well, so they feel like this is a thing, right? So, so what this is reminding me of <clears throat> is it—it it has very—it um, has some of the hallmarks of some of the people that have duplicated our pages. Yeah, <laughs> where it's like. You're clearly very talented. If you can, like, you know enough about social media, if you know how to duplicate someone's pages, get in all the followers, copy the highlights, the posts, the videos, and you start DMing people, like, the pages are actually very 
convincing mm. if you don't look at the handles and stuff. So it's kind of quite a high amount of technical ability, a high EQ, like emotional kind of in, intelligence type where you know how to connect with people and you know how to take advantage of people's better nature and then just a complete just lack of like what I'm doing is really bad just no yeah. conscience yeah completely. whatsoever and it's like you mix those three things together yeah and you end up with people like this tinder swindler guy yeah absolutely I think yeah and, and I could I couldn't scatter my SEO knowledge is not that good <laughs> not even that <laughs> I just I, I, I could not like it's the, it's my guilty conscience as well. Like, how can you, like, how can you do that? And then, yeah. And then, and then like, it's, it's not just like a one-off. It sounds like it's a, like a systemized. Yeah. So he had, he had so many, like, diff, like they didn't, they didn't even know how many people that he'd, he'd scammed, but it, it had been millions across like, and it wasn't always people that he'd um, uh, like had a relationship with, or he'd, he'd managed to, um romantically like engage with him it would be people that he might have been like uh, babysitting for or like families mm -hmm. that he'd gained the trust yeah, yeah. of uh, like through different like various different characters um but it's cr it's crazy but just quickly um to Shaq's point earlier like I because fraud is fraud right and I I really do empathize with people that have been the victim of fraud I've been the victim of fraud when I was 18 and you're you're you feel really vulnerable and you feel really stupid. And actually what you forget yeah. is you've been taken advantage of. And yeah. it's, and it, it's like theft on a completely different level. Cause you've been like, um, you've been psychologically, um, what's the word? Manipulated. Yeah. Yeah. You've been, jinx. You've been yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep padlock jinx. So you've been psychologically shack, 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 timmy, timmy, timmy. Um, so you've been psychologically <laughs> manipulated um, and then stolen from. And you, but at the same time, you feel like it's completely your fault and you can't get yourself out of it. And then you don't make good decisions after that. You keep, and you don't want to talk to people about exactly. it because so you, you feel like it's your fault. Yeah. And you keep making poor decisions after that. So I, I put up a story in Millennial Money, like just like going into the fact that I'd been defrauded when I was 18. And it was stupid. It was my own naivety that got me into it. And um, I remember like it just over a period of like a month and a month and a bit, I was like, oh my God, what have I done? What have I got myself into? And I just kept making worse and worse decisions to try and get myself out of the initial mistake, which started off small as it always does. And it got to a point where I was just like sat in the corner of my room, like miserable. And my mum walked in and she was like, what the hell is wrong with you? I was like, mum, I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I was meant to be revising for my A-levels at the time. And she like picked me up and was like, we're going to sort this out right now. And like, literally superhero mum like I was 18 years old as well and like just like dragged me out of it all and just for anyone that's been the victim of fraud or might find themselves like god forbid in, in an unfortunate position where it happens um, from my experience I can't tell you much by way of like recourse because unfortunately what we found is a lot of the time like for fraud it's really difficult to find recourse because pe like there actually isn't that much protection for yourself there is obviously mm. like different levels of fraud protection but in you're not going to get a good outcome in every case uh, which is quite sad but the thing that you can save yourself from is is the psychological torment of like making yourself feel awful about the mistake that you've made um or, or that you've been manipulated and taken advantage of and for me just like being able to share with my mum what on earth that had happened and what I was going through and her to be like oh my god like that was silly but it's fine like it's not the end of the world because it really does feel like the end of the world at the time because you're just like it, it can really overwhelm you. And it, what's really sad is um, one of the women in, in Tinder, Tinder Swindler, she was talking about how like she started to get suicidal ideations because she was like, this is getting so bad. Like, I just want to end it here. And for all types of fraud, you can see that happening because people are really vulnerable. So it's fucked. Like, it's completely fucked. Um, and I do think that there needs to be more protection and people should just like, don't, I, I, anything I'd say is like, remember you're the victim when it happens to you yeah so maybe maybe a good policy here is uh, i've not seen the documentaries i can't speak to the various women um i'm having to uh just as you're telling me the story and as i've been seeing stuff online work against my internal biases that might let um, cause me to go it's the fault of the person who got defrauded 
um, and and just lean into that empathy. If you genuinely care about someone, <laughs> whether those reasons are like legit or not, if you, if your brain is telling you that you care about someone, you're gonna want to help them out financially. You're gonna believe um, what what they're saying to you, and actually, most human beings are capable of that. Yeah, bro. Like, yeah, imagine- yeah sorry, Jack. Don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, I said earlier that I thought the the women were stupid, and I definitely think that's the case. I do think that they were very naive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and silly in believing it. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that I don't feel sorry for them. As Nick yeah, said, yeah. you know, they went yeah. through a lot of trauma, and of course, it's the fault of the the perpetrator of Simon in this case. Yeah. Um. But I, yeah, I I don't think that those two things necessarily have yeah. to be independent or sorry they have to be dependent on each other mm-hmm. um so yeah i just think a really key general rule especially recently there's a, a big rise in people with these instagram scams there's the congrats you've won a new phone yeah the people in your dms as well i think as a general rule if, if something seems too good to be true then like yeah. 99.99 times it is yeah. and it is going to be trying someone trying to take you for a mo and i actually had a forex trader in my dms recently it must have been last week or like two weeks ago and would you class like forex traders as, as scams obviously there are people that actually trade that do foreign um exchange trades and do make money from it but it's a rarity so it's these been people t- that are in tarnished, your DMs, hasn't it? yeah so these people that are in your dms trying to get you to sign up would you class them as as scammers uh yeah i guess so like yeah. Well, they're, they're lying to you. They're, they're giving you like false hope on something that's never going to happen. So this guy, oh, he, jumps in, <laughs> he jumps in my DMs. You know, I'm like, you know what? I can see that on this page that he's a Forex trader. Let me see what he's got to say for himself. So I'm just playing stupid. <clears throat> so how are you? Yeah, all good. Bit of small talk. He's like, oh, what do you do for work? And I was like, oh, don't mean to be rude, but you've jumped in my DMs. I don't know who you are. I don't really feel comfortable telling you that. He's like, yeah, no problem. I'm a professional Forex trader, love networking with new people. I'm like, cool. He's like, do you know much about Forex? I'm like, no, but I heard it's really complicated and really hard to make money. Like, how do you find it? He was like, well, I'm a professional, so I find it quite easy. And I was like, I said, oh, wowza, I didn't realize you're a pro. I was like, <laughs> I was like who do you work for? How profitable are we talking? And um, he's actually deleted some of the messages now because I think he realized that, you know, you can't be saying these sort of things, but. He said, what did he say? Oh, he said to me that he could make, he guaranteed, if I gave him $1,000, he's guaranteed to make me 10K. So that's a, I don't even know what return that is, a percentage service, 1,000%, 900%, ridiculous anyway. And he said he'd do that within, I think, a couple of weeks. And I was like, and he was like, are you interested? I was like, in making the guaranteed 9K, of course I'm interested. (laughs) So I was like, oh, like, how much money have you made so far? And he was like, I've been doing this for ages. I've got so much money. And then I said, this is probably a stupid question. Ha ha. But if it's so easy and you've made so much money, why don't you just trade your money and make all of the money for yourself rather than like taking a cut of mine? Yeah. And he said, oh, I just want to help people reach their financial goals. And I was like, wow, that's so generous of you. <laughs> so on that note, can I please ask a favor of you? And he was like, of course, what's, what's the favor? I said, could you please lend me the thousand pounds thousand dollars initial investment and use that to trade with from and then once your... you've made the ten thousand dollars you give me eight thousand and i'll give you an extra thousand from that so instead of you just getting a thousand you now have two thousand and he was like sorry the company don't allow me to do that so i said oh well i can understand the company not allowing you to do that so why don't you just tra- bank transfer me the thousand dollars and then i'll transfer it to your company and i was like what did i say i said Sorry, I know this sounds really suspicious, but why would anyone lie about something like this? You can trust me. <laughs> then he just blocked me. <laughs> that was the end of that. It would be so. so funny if there's a bunch of FX traders in a WhatsApp group somewhere going, I was speaking to this guy called Shaq, yeah. He just, <laughs> he just didn't re- get it. Re- reverse swindled me. Yeah. Imagine if I'd somehow convinced him to send me a $1,000. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's just a thing of like, I feel like the system is just a mess yeah the the system is a mess like people we like we live in a system where like people if what are we the sixth richest country in the world 
but if you don't have money you can literally end up like choosing between heating and eating you can end up on the street um so what does what kind of environment does that produce that produces an environment where people have to take jobs that they don't want to do just yeah. so that they can survive where people fall for people based on what sounds like purely financial reasons thinking about the tinder swindler stuff this is the world that we live in this is the world that we've inherited and continue to create every single day and it just produces these stories you know i'm i'm actually i'm really tired of it because i feel like the world could be a much better place than it is right now yeah it doesn't have to be like this it's called socialism my friend (laughs) (laughs) i think you make a great point to me because there's two sides to it isn't there when there's this society where people are struggling and you've got the haves and the haves nots you end up in a situation where people are desperate to make money and and more likely to fall for these kinds of scams because because they you know they're being offered this amount of money which could perhaps take them months or an unachievable amount of money and they're being offered it quickly they're much more likely to to try and you know um take up that opportunity and then on the other side you've got the people who are the the immoral ones who are doing these things because they want to make more money for themselves and, and see that as a get rich quick scheme as well yeah it's just it's a mess yeah completely well this is this is what happens when you um perpetuate inequality uh poverty like comes in like loads of different guises and now like poverty can be covered up um because people are able to sort of like finance lifestyles that they can't actually afford um and a lot of people don't realize the real financial situation that they're actually in um and it yeah it just creates this toxic cauldron um that is a bit of a mess. Like yeah, that we live inside. I feel like we just need to have a big huddle. So like, what are we doing? Like, what is the point of like GDP growth? Um, what is the point of all this like stuff? We're making more stuff, faster stuff. Like, what are we, what's this supposed to be leading towards? I feel like there needs to be some sort of consensus or agreement on that, or at least a way in which you can agree locally with people like this is a sort of like world i want to live in because it's yeah i've, I've said it already it's just, it's just a mess it's like a complete mess when when we look back at now and all of the different things that are going on with like the prices of stuff and like house prices and like we'll be like well of course scams increased yeah of course people are being taken advantage of yeah and I guess the the crux of the issue, and probably getting a bit more political than we usually do on loose change, but <laughs> it's that the, the the haves, the people at the top who have the, the the most wealth, and because of that, have the most power and influence. They don't really give a shit about anyone else. Yeah, that just just doesn't doesn't affect them. Yeah, which I find I, I do find a bit crazy because yeah, yeah, people are selfish, but. People don't seem to understand that if you know, we did have a more equal society, then it would just be a better place to live for everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the breakdown of community as well. So people just, like you said earlier, like people just care about each other a lot less. Um, before that, we used to have like community sentiment, um, particularly, it still does exist a lot more in like um, uh, less economically developed um, groups. Um but the sense of community is diminishing and has been diminishing over the last few decades. And everyone feels like they're in constant competition. Um, and there's a lot to be said about like how people were able to lean on support, um, not just financial, but just like support of the community, which helped on so many fronts. Um, and that has seriously diminished. Um, and I think it adds to it all as well. Yeah. Whilst I went on like, yeah, a bit of a mini kind of like doomsday rent, one what I do also think is the case though is even though the the system as a whole is not fit for purpose and literally needs to be raised to the ground and like built back up, I do believe that on a micro level, you can in small ways live in the sort and, and be the sort of person and live in the sort of world that you want to live in. Like you can reach out to your neighbors you can do a kind thing 
you know, you can like pick up an extra box of whatever and put it in the food bank in the supermarket. You can donate to causes you care about. You can like, we've just had a conversation today that will hopefully make people feel a bit less bad about things like not being able to get on property ladders, falling to victims of fraud. Um, and that, that's just, that's like the thing that keeps me going day to day. That even though the world around us might be going to crap on an individual basis, there are still small things we can do and we can be empowered. Yeah. A, f- a feel good story that I saw yesterday and this is going to link back to, I think the first ever episode we did, and this is probably going to be like the third time I've mentioned them now, but the, the Twitter account footy scran. So I think when we first mentioned, when I first mentioned them, they were on like 2000 followers or something. Yeah, yeah. But now they're like 200,000 plus. They're really, really blown up. I'm, I'm like super impressed, but they, um, and now posting food from not only football grounds in the UK, from like non-league through to Premier League. They're also posting food from all around the world, from football stadiums around the world and other sports as well. So I think they posted like some Super Bowl food and it was a pizza. And some guy replied basically saying, if I'm not mistaken, that's a Chicago Town pizza. And Chicago Town Twitter account replied being like, oh, how do you know? Do you do you have a lot of our pizzas? And he was like, look, I've probably had over 50,000 pizzas. Mm-hmm. And he asked them what he had to do to get lifetimes uh, or a year supply of Chicago Towns. And they said, if you can get 20,000 likes on this tweet, we'll give you a, a year's supply worth of pizza. And he managed to do it. Like Footy Scrant helped him out, like retweeted it and stuff. And he got way over the amount required. And Chicago Town replied saying, like, well done. Like, let us know. And he said, that, well, I'm actually going to donate it all to my local food bank. So I'm ultimately against food banks because I think in we shouldn't live in a society where they're required. But given that they are needed, I think that was just a, a great thing for, for him to do. You know, he yeah. could have benefited from that himself and he chose to to pass that on to people that yeah, needed it more. Yeah, I love, I love that. And um, not meaning to kind of do a... <clears throat> everyone should become a content creator thing. But I think the three of us can attest to actually like the power of the internet and the power of social media. Um, If you are passionate about a subject and you can write, you can make videos, you can do just like jump on Canva or uh, like Adobe. So like, make sure you pay for it. Like we all do. Um, That, what the what the internet and what social media have done is they have completely removed the gatekeepers so before you needed to write out a cv fill out an application or whatever but if you can just captivate audiences like we've all got phones in our pockets we're all on the internet all the time if you can just come up with an idea or, or a concept and create content around it brands will approach you directly opportunities will come to you directly and this is something that i only realized two years ago um yeah it's mad and i started making content yeah for real for real um and just to circle back on all of that with i, I guess more of a positive tone is mm. and, and and touching on our earlier comments about like the demonization of millennials and young people um we actually are a generation that have been known studies have shown uh, to be willing to spend a bit more money if it um if if it's used productively or equitably um, and we're happy to actually spend more towards uh, leaving the world in a better place to how we inherit it. Um, And that is something that is a common theme with young people. Um, And it's something that should be celebrated because I think we care more about the planet. We care actually quite a lot about people around us. And I think that's because we've seen the suffering that's come from um behaviors that didn't promote that um and i think much of that and and i'm hopeful that much of that will continue um because as as young people become more and more wealthy and maybe inherit more wealth and um manage to get a bit more financial capital um because ultimately it's the financial capital that changes the world and cultures and things like that um yeah and i think that's something that we can I guess lean hopefully towards that we're gonna um there's power in our purchase basically and we're already showing that the power in our purchase um we intend to use a bit more equitably um to leave behind or leave the world behind in a much better place to how we've inherited it because of the challenges that we've faced yeah i, th- I think that's uh, a great point and it, it's just made me laugh because 
I was thinking about Shell and the the energy hikes, and they actually said that they they're not they're not able to cap in the UK and reduce the dividends that their shareholders getting. Like their shareholders getting a massive payout, and they came out and said, no, like we can't reduce it because if we did reduce it, then we would have to like put less money into our sustainable schemes. I was thinking, yeah. cheeky bastards. Yeah. How dare you? Ah, uh, classic. But no. Um, no shell ads for us. <laughs> Depend, depends what they're paying. <laughs> Talk to me, shell. Um, I, I could be swayed. Everybody had us a price. <laughs> um, hey, guys, I've been using the shell sustainable uh, thingy for a few months now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you've, you've talked yourself out of that sponsorship, mate. This is this is an easy special. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Well, um, brilliant discussion. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I think uh, it brings us to a nice close to our loose change for the week. Um, has anyone got I, some loose change? I can, I can start us off with one. And I hope it's actually useful and not something that you're going to respond and say, I've, I've known that like my whole life. But I'm going to start with a question. And I don't want you to think too deeply about it. I want it to be quick fire, just bam, bam, bam. Okay, right, Timmy, you first. Top three worst chores, go. Washing plates, washing plates, and washing plates. Okay, next, Niaz, three worst, go. Uh, cleaning the bathroom, cleaning the bathroom, and I, I don't, I don't mind house chores too much. Yeah, I'd say, yeah. clean, I'd say cleaning the, I'd say. All right then. The I th- well, this has flopped a little bit. I was hoping at least one of you would say what I was going to say, but for me, I just find like changing bed sheets such a pain. Oh no no no! I yeah no no! I hate changing my bed sheets. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I hate. It's just like because yeah, it doesn't even take that long, but it's just I don't know. It feels like so much effort. Yeah, because no, because anyway, you're, you're tired by the time you're doing it. Like you, yeah yeah that's you find it out to dry, and by the time you do, you're like you've mentally got ready for bed. And yeah. then you get there and you're like, I've got no sheets. <laughs> yeah. So basically, you know, with the fitted sheet. Yeah. And then you'll be trying to put on the fitted sheet and you're like, oh my God, I've done it like the wrong way. You've gone like lengthways and you should be going widthways. Basically with a fitted sheet, the label always goes in the bottom right corner. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, oh you know, knew that. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't wow. know. That's actually that's actually quite useful for me. Way to rain on my parade to me, but yeah, that's my least change for the week. The, I didn't. The, I didn't actually know the that. tag always goes in the bottom right. Interesting. Hey, well, it's not a full rain on your parade because th- that was just kind of like a semi kind of OCD thing for me, and it just worked. But now you've like you've locked it in. <laughs> I've, for me. I've validated it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair play, um, Timmy. My least change. Um, it is kind of related to what Shaq said, so. There are, so I, I really dislike washing plates because I don't, I'm one of those people that doesn't really like care about food that much. And like, yeah, and then just, just plates everywhere. But one of the things I've been doing to um, to make chores a bit more bearable and to gamify them a bit is I set timers whenever I do anything. Yeah. And this has produced two benefits. One, it's made me know like how long it takes me to do stuff. So changing my bed sheets takes about 10 minutes. I can beat that easy. I can do it <laughs> half the time. Yeah, I reckon I could as well. Next next episode, we should have a, a, a bed sheet off. <laughs> um, but, but also it kind of makes me feel more willing to do stuff because i'm like oh it's just it's just 10 minutes you know like i know it takes 10 minutes because last time i timed myself so if i start doing this thing at 20 past then by half past it'll be done so i think for for the tasks you do that that you're not particularly looking forward to just set a timer and actually see how long it takes you i think you'll be pleasantly surprised it doesn't take as long as you think it takes in your head yeah i like that I guess with everyone, everyone has like different, everyone's brain works in different ways, doesn't it? And everyone has the different motivations of, of being able to make themselves do those, those tedious tasks. Because have you heard of the two, the two minute rule? Is that? Yeah. yeah no. So it's the, yeah. it's the five minute rule. 
five minute rule. What, it, so, how does that work? So basically, it- if you start, if you just say to yourself, I'm going to do this thing for five minutes, something that you, this is amazing because I was actually going to use this as my loose change. So this, oh, is, cool. this is my loose change. Um, the five minute rule is basically if you really putting off a task that you don't want to do because you're dreading it, like you haven't started it yet. Um, if you just say to yourself, I'm going to just do this. I'm going to just commit to this for five minutes. In that time, a lot of the time, that's when you start to get into the groove of it. And by the end of the five minutes, you don't want to stop. Um, and then you actually continue with the task. You just have to get past that initial hurdle of the five minutes. Um, and it actually really does work. There's stuff which I've put off for like weeks. And then when I actually sit down to start it, first of all, like it's far less daunting and challenging than I actually think it's going to be. And once I start, I don't want to stop. And Shaq and I, we do a lot of like writing um, um, as part of like some of our content. And we write loads of articles and blogs. And you always find... Um, like I, we often text each other and you'll see, oh, I'm, I'm in the flow of this now. I'm just going to do it. And that's because once you start it, it, it's almost like more effort to stop because you've got all the ideas flowing and everything's like running around. So I think if there's something that you really need to do and there's something that you really want to do, just commit to five minutes. Um, and I bet that you're going to get a lot more of it done than you expect. Um, and let it come to a natural stop uh, and then give yourself another, uh, and then commit to another uh, like amount of time um, come back to it later and commit to another five minutes and then it, it's a much more effective way of getting tasks finished I fully co-sign that myself um, just sitting on my table in front of me um, I have Jeez. a cooking timer that my brother got me a couple of Christmases ago super super useful just um, put put my five minutes on start the task yeah and, and then put, um, 20 it, minutes later you're you're done yeah you're I'm, still doing it Particularly for people with uh, ADHD. So my brother got, he actually got diagnosed with ADHD like two years ago and he didn't know his whole life. Um, but he, he said like it's, it's, it's almost become like a superpower, like being able to like structure his days in that way. And he's been able to get so much more done and like control his attention um, in a much more effective way. But yeah, that brings us to... A wonderful close. I think we got through some really interesting topics there. Um, until next week, then. Thank you. Thank you both so much. Yeah, pleasure, as always. Peace out.